and welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Valley here to give you the latest in what's happening in the sporting world. Mitch is going to be back for the end episode of this week. Uh, we'll be going into a weekend full of, you know, college basketball final fours, the start of baseball season. The basketball playoffs are winding down in the NBA. We have the draft coming up. It's a it's an eventful time. It's an anticipatory time for sports here uh, in, in America and around the world. Spring is in the air, Mitch. And to be honest, you didn't even name something that is a very big deal. And I can't believe I'm going to name it because I really don't watch it that often. But the Masters is yes. right around the corner as well. I mean, we're th this is the part in the spring, Mitch, where the sports are all going at one time again. Obviously, minus football. Well, don't tell the XFL that. Um, and then in the fall, like I said, that I think is the greatest time in a calendar year, but this might be the second best time into March madness, baseball. I mean, everything drama too. We love drama. We sure do. And we will get into that drama here potentially in just a few moments. Uh, obviously here, if you guys are on YouTube, thank you for watching or listening. Be sure to like subscribe and hit the bell. You can also find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Uh, we get that through Spotify for podcasters, formerly known as anchor. Uh, you can also find our website, big We find our latest articles there. Uh, you can find our latest videos, our latest episodes of the Big Time Sports Show. I just sat down with um, uh, Tom Ferbizo and Dave Moreland as they talked about the Quaker floor plan on the Big Time Sports Show. It was great to talk to those guys. And uh, you can find all of our game broadcasts coming up. I will be in Dover Friday for their baseball game uh, this week. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at BTS Ohio, at uh, Big Time Sports Ohio on Facebook and Instagram, and at Mitch Spinell and at Mitchell Ballot everywhere that you can find uh, a social media account, basically. Uh, so, Mitch, we now go into the start of baseball season, as we've been mentioning. The Guardians trying to recapture the magic they had from last year as they were able to win the American League Central. And they get a bit of a boost. They had a bit of a boost that's going to continue, hopefully, being a boost in the next couple of years. Because we just got the news yesterday, uh, according to multiple reports, that Andres Jimenez is going to be extended for a seven-year, $106.5 million extension that includes an eighth-year club option, locking down uh, the well, one of the top breakouts of last year, potentially through the 2031 season. Uh, Jimenez made his first all-star team, won a gold glove last year. Uh, this is an interesting stat. He was third in the AL in wins above replacement at 7.4. The only two that were better than him, Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani. And this deal will start in 2024. So the Guardians still have the last year of his current contract to work with. Uh, and it's a very fascinating move that the Guardians are making. Remember, this is one of the guys that came over in the Francisco Lindor trade when Cleveland could not give the deal that the Mets gave him in 340 mil. So, Mitch, it's fascinating to see that even with that trade, which at the time, like, say what you want about Lindor. The man's a generational shortstop, uh, infielder, generational player. This kind of looks like Guardians might have uh, been playing some chess when everyone else was playing checkers on this one. Absolutely, and Mitch, you typically, speaking to that Lindor trade, typically whenever a trade is made, it's always who is the winner and who is the loser of a trade. Mm -hmm. Mitch, I think both teams won here, right? Yeah. I think everybody involved won here. Because you look at Francisco Lindor, obviously one of the top shortstops in baseball. He wanted paid, deservedly so. The Mets were willing to pay him. They go get him, they pay him, he's locked down, he'll be the face of their franchise for probably the rest of his career. The Guardians, on the other hand, knew they were not going to be able to to extend Francisco Lindor and said, okay, let's go get some guys that can help us. And Rosario and Jimenez were at the top of the farm system or just 
brand new into breaking into Major League Baseball for the Mets, and they said, let's get these guys. The first year, Mitch, it didn't look good for either side. Lindor didn't play that well in New York. Rosario was like, is he an outfielder, is an infielder? Jimenez at shortstop. Last year, though, they broke through. So much so that Lindor lived up to the contract in New York, and Andres Jimenez was the starting second baseman in the MLB All-Star game. You mentioned third in baseball and wins above replacement, and now they reward him. And he's still so young, Mitch. He is 24 years old. So by the time this deal runs out, he'll be 31, 32, depending on that uh, eighth-year option. And he could still get paid again. So there's a lot of people that are like, oh, these young guys shouldn't sign these contracts. They can, because if they outdo their contracts, Mitch, they can get paid again. And so this is a huge step in the right direction for the Guardians, a huge win for Andres Jimenez. Um, so just breaking it down on Spo track right here, some people said, oh my gosh, they overpaid for him. This is absurd. Listen, with the contract of $106,500,000, he is the third highest paid second baseman in terms of value. Marcus Simeon is first at over $175 million, and Jose Altuve is second at $163,500,000. In terms of average, he is just slightly above the fourth place DJ LeMahieu. He is making $15 million. $214,286 a season. Mitch, to me, for an all-star shortstop that had the season that he had and still at the age of 24, if he continues to improve like you would hope these young players do, this could end up being a steal. And I say that because we are so accustomed in Cleveland here, outside of Jose Ramirez, to not being able to afford and retain good players for a long period of their career. And so by the Guardians doing this, I think the reason it happened is Jose Ramirez last year. Jose Ramirez, one of the top, if not the top third baseman in baseball, obviously defensively, it's Nolan Arenado. I'll never, ever argue against that. At this point, he'll probably win the most gold gloves ever in a career. But by Jose Ramirez taking the team-friendly deal last year, saying, I want to be in Cleveland. I want to win a World Series in Cleveland. I don't want to be anywhere else. Jimenez sees that. And now, Mitch, it turns the page to where do the Guardians go next? For me, it absolutely needs to be locking up Stephen Kwan because as much as I love Ahmed Rosario, Mitch, it seems he wants paid. Listen, never going to bash a player about his money. It's his life. Take care of your family however you want to, especially when you have these players from other countries that a lot of them came from nothing. So money really does change not only their immediate family, but generational wealth is what it is. But if you can get Stephen Kwan now, there's already reports that the Guardians have talked to Trevor Steffen one of the relievers for the Guardians. Now, Ahmed Rosario's agent has been talking to him. The thing with Rosario, and the reason I mentioned that, Mitch, is Andres Jimenez did play shortstop for his respective country in the World Baseball Classic this spring. This could easily be a transitional move for the Guardians to where Jimenez becomes the shortstop moving forward if we cannot retain Rosario. Or you can just say second base is locked down. We don't have to worry about prospects because we only have about 900 middle infield prospects in the minor league system that may take Rosario's spot. But Mitch, this is huge news. Much like Jose Ramirez's contract getting signed before the team left for Kansas City last year, this getting signed before the team departs for Seattle to open up the season, this is wonderful news. And hopefully it's the first of a few other signings the Guardians can make this season few other signings they could make and a few signings they have made over the last couple of years. I love this one tweet here from Jensen Lewis on Twitter. Lindor's contract was $341 million, as we mentioned. In, in $331.5 total million, the Guardians have been able to lock down Jose Ramirez in a seven-year deal, Andres Jimenez in a seven-year deal, 
Josh Bell in a two-year deal for 33. Miles Straw for five years, 25. Emmanuel Classe for five years, 20 mil. And Mike Zanino for a $6 million contract. That's six players you're able to lock down for at least this season. And you did it all with the, um, the, 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 the financial amount of one guy for yeah. his entire career. That is such a, a calculated months on end move from the guardians that it kind of makes me really realize that we do, we, we tend to sometimes underappreciate the front office uh, yes. that of the, of the guardians that they're able to do the, the scouting team that they have. And, you know, say what you want about the Dolans. I mean, they, they have, the, they, we've always been criticizing them, about the tendency to underspend when you, when you make moves like this, it takes away some of that criticism for a reason. And it, and it, it it's, it makes us, kind of look at it and be like, Hey, you know what? Maybe these guys do know what they're talking about. It's not, it's not just us wondering what the hell they're, they're, they're thinking. And I'm so happy you brought that up because that's exactly the point I wanted to make as critical as we can be as fans of the Dolans and Mitch, sometimes it is deserved for some of the players we have seen leave Cleveland early because we know we are not willing to pay them what they want or what they are worth. Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff. And it really started with Mark Shapiro back in the later in early stages of the 2010s. What our front office has been able to do, Mitch, is remarkable. There's a reason that this team, when when you look around baseball and these other teams are rebuilding year, the Guardians rebuilding years haven't been nearly as long as some of these other teams. Look, look at the Detroit Tigers, Mitch. This is a team that was dominant for about a four-year run, and now they have not been able to recover. They've been one of the worst teams in baseball. The Oakland A's are much like the Guardians, but they can't make the moves that the Guardians have made. And listen, whether it's the front office people at the time were then poached by other teams, that could be a reason. But what Chris Ancinetti and Mike Chernoff have done in Cleveland is nothing short of remarkable. You mentioned the scouting department, Mitch. Last year, the front office brought all these scouts to a playoff game in attendance to reward them for their work because, Mitch, those scouts are a reason the team was so good last year, finding all those young players. And it's awesome. And the other thing I'll mention is don't forget, we do have a minority owner and his money is going to kick in here soon. Obviously there's been rumblings and rumors and talks that he is going to become the majority owner one day could be seven years, but even with him having a minority stake now that allows more cash to come into the guardians to spend. Hopefully they are able to spend it. And like I said, Stephen Kwan to me is the next guy to lock down. Uh, obviously Oscar Gonzalez is another one I can get. The the caution of signing those two after they were both rookies last year it could be more of a, all right, you're under contract for a few years. Let's see you do it again year two, which is that's typically what happens in all major sports, right? A guy has a great year. Let's see it happen again. We'll see if that's the case. I know a lot of people out there are banging the drum now saying, why can't we sign Shane Bieber? Folks, it's the same reason we couldn't re-sign CC Sabathia and traded him the same reason we couldn't re-sign Cliff Lee and traded him, the same reason we had to get rid of Trevor Bauer, although there were some internal issues with Bauer and the clubhouse there. Pitchers are players that play once every five days. For the money that Shane Bieber wants, and he is very deserving of it, it's going to be hard to retain him, but I'm still not going to rule it out of the question because sometimes all it takes is a couple guys to do what Jose Ramirez and now Andres Jimenez and Emmanuel Clase and Mitch, you named a bunch of players, Sometimes when they all start doing that, other players buy in because they want to be part of a team that is going to be together for years to come. 
And hopefully that's what happens. But I am thrilled to have Jimenez. I don't think they overpaid. Do you think they overpaid? I don't think they overpaid. I think for the, the amount of years that you're getting out of him, and especially with that contract not kicking in until next year, that's a great uh, sort of long-term lockdown that you're able to have on a guy who, like you mentioned, 24 years old, having that breakout season to the point where he was, I think, in the top six of the MVP voting last year. But you had two players like that for – uh, the top six of the MVP voting, and you both have them for around $250 million uh, under total contracts. That That's insane. And it really it really is exciting to see that these guys will be here at least seemingly for the next couple of seasons. Um, I'm going to take us to a quick break. When we come back, we'll be going over the remainder of what's going to be happening in baseball this year. I also want to address some news that came out about the Guardians earlier this week, uh, and we'll be going over some other stuff here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week. Visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. 
Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching, and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. Hey, welcome you back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Fidel, Mitchell Bala, Mitchell Bala. Let's get into now our uh, preview for the upcoming 2023 Major League Baseball season. We've already gotten off to a great start in the baseball year with the World Baseball Classic. Now we're getting into what hopefully is another great season of uh, one of the one of my personal favorite sport. So now we have uh, we've been talking about the Guardians uh, for the past couple of minutes with the Andres Jimenez deal, but I want to start off with the AL East. We go from East, Central, West, and then we do it all over again with the National League. And then we go to the playoffs. Uh, this one is going to be interesting this year. I think it's going to be a close race. I don't think it's going to be a blowout between any particular teams. I do think there is one uh, team that's going to reach ahead in the standings, and that is going to be, as much as people don't want to hear, hear me say it, the New York Yankees are going to be uh, the division champions this year. I think they have a great rotation that is a little bit injured right now, but when it's healthy, Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Luis Severino, Nestor Cortez, that's a hard four-man uh, rotation to beat especially when you get down to those later months. And the Yankees still have that pop in the lineup, not just in the likes of Aaron Judge, but we've seen Anthony Volpe, who's been uh, uh, named the starting, starting shortstop uh, in his rookie season. So it could be a very interesting year in New York. Yeah, and I'm happy we started with the AL East, Mitch, because when you look around baseball, obviously every major news outlet, website, and reputable source for the most part puts out the predictions. I there's been a lot of talk and a lot of love for one team that I just don't understand why it's there. And it's the Toronto Blue Jays. I knew you were going to say that. You you need to prove it to me first And the Blue Jays. Let me, let me say this. They're a good team. I'm not taking anything away from them. You have to slay the dragon first. And Mitch for a majority of our lifetime, the dragon alias has always been the New York Yankees. Obviously the Red Sox had that window for a little bit, the Baltimore Orioles in there a few years, the Rays, but Let's halt the talk on the Blue Jays. If the Yankees are healthy, Mitch, they are still the team to beat. You have the American League MVP winner and judge. You mentioned Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Carlos Rodon there now. The bullpen still, some question marks, but Mitch, the talent they have there. And it'll be interesting to see how Aaron Judge plays. Not just because of the contract he got, Mitch, but because he's coming off the record-breaking performance of breaking the AL home run record in the season last year. What type of pressure is he feeling now after that season combined with the big contract the Yankees gave him? Does it bother him? I don't think it does. He seems like a player that, you know, although he's in New York and as critical as New York media is, especially on the Yankees, I think he'll be able to deal with it. But I'm happy you and I are on the same page here. I think the Yankees are the team to beat in the AL East. And I actually put the Tampa 
they raise at number two. This is a team match that I feel like always gets disrespected. A team that people always, oh, it's the Rays. They're bottom of the payroll. They only have a couple guys you know. Mitch, they made the playoffs last year. And that was without Tyler Glass now up until the month of September. If Tyler Glass now is healthy, him and Shane McClanahan at the top of the rotation are could very well be the best one-two punch in all of baseball if they stay healthy. But that's the biggest factor. They have Randy Arena. I know you and I have talked off air. How long is he going to be a Ray? Because with how he's played and the display he put on the World Baseball Classic, Mitch, probably the hottest hitter in the entire Classic. At one point, he was hitting over 480. Typically, much like the Guardians, the Rays can't afford players of that magnitude. So the question has already started to become, how long is he a Ray? But for this year, he's there. So I definitely think it's the Yankees and Rays at top. The Blue Jays at three. The Orioles are such a fascinating question mark, Mitch. They surprised a lot of people last year. I believe they had over 83 wins, which was remarkable considering we didn't expect them to be good at all. Do they regress? Do they, you know, advance over that win mark? I think they probably stayed the same. And then the Red Sox, Mitch, this is going to be a down year for them. You lose Xander Bogarts. Corey Kluber is your opening day starter, and that's not a shot at Corey Kluber. He's no. just older. He's he's at the tail end of his career. And for him to be your opening day starter in Boston, it just really kind of says our rotation is any, is not anything special. Really, I don't, I don't even know if you could say formidable. Um, but at the same time, it is Boston. They've done this before. Uh, you know, they have guys come up that you really aren't ready for. They actually have a player, which the name is escaping me, that they have from Team Japan in the World Baseball Classic that will now be over here this year. Whether he's on major the Major League roster in the minors, we'll wait and see. But I just can't see the Red Sox or Orioles really vying for anything when it comes to the postseason. Yoshida is who you were thinking of, correct? Yoshida, yep. Mat- yes. Mataka Yoshida, yes. Uh, so, that, yeah, we're both taking the Yankees. I think it's a toss-up between um, Toronto and Tampa Bay, but I'm going to save that for our wildcard talks because our next one is a central where the Guardians have been getting a lot of love in the preseason, and perhaps rightfully so. They won the division by 11 games last year with a lot of young guys and a, and a rotating pitching rotation. So it, make, it makes you wonder when all these guys are healthy and set again, what are they going to do against the likes of the White Sox and the Twins? To me, the White Sox are the one team that I'm I'm, I'm kind of scared of. I'm kind of scared that they'll make a, a run here with the first-year manager, Pedro Rayful, and uh, they still have a couple of guys that can do some good things. What is the biggest factor, Mitch, that could that could lead to the White Sox, in your mind, uh, shocking the Guardians uh, in winning the division, like the Guardians did to sh- Chicago last year? Health. And I mean that on both sides, both for the White Sox and the Guardians. Mitch, the White Sox have a very talented rotation, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopik, and Lucas Giolito. But the big thing for them in years past is Kopik and Cease have not been able to stay healthy. If those two stay healthy with Lucas Giolito, which we've seen before, Mitch, he can be a dominant pitcher. That is a front line of the rotation that may be the best in baseball when healthy. People also need to remember, though, Mitch, Jose Abreu is not a White Sox anymore. He is gone. He signed in Houston. This is an AL MVP that is now with the Houston Astros. They signed Andrew Benatendi for, I believe, was the largest White Sox contract they've ever given out to a free agent, which is interesting. Benatendi, I think, is a very good player. He's never going to be the most feared player in a lineup. I also do think, and anybody that's been following us along since we started this last you know, fall, I was very critical of Tony La Russa. I said he was a huge factor of why the White Sox were held back. I think the coaching change and getting a younger manager in there that connect 
can connect with the players and isn't falling asleep in the dugout is a big factor for them. And if they stay healthy, Mitch, I think it's a two team race in the central between the white Sox and the guardians. Obviously health though, plays a factor on both sides. The guardians have the best manager in the central and all the American league in Terry Francona. So I think that weighs in their favor, the tigers and the Royals. It's more so who's finishing third or who's finishing fourth, who's finishing fifth. The twins are interesting. I don't know what to expect out of them. This was a team last year. It was really the White Sox and Twins going into the season, Mitch, and the Twins just fell flat on their face. Yep. I do think they're going to be a little underrated. I think still sure. them having Carlos Correa now back after that whole saga of he was a giant and then he was a Met and now he's back with the Twins is a big bat in the middle of their lineup. I think the rotation could actually surprise some people too. We'll have to wait and see if Byron Buxton stays healthy. They could be a very good team, but yeah. can Byron Buxton stay healthy for a season? We have yet to see him stay healthy for a full season, so we'll have to play the waiting game there. Well, speaking of healthy really quickly, uh, before we get to the rest of them, Tristan McKenzie being out for possibly eight weeks with the uh, the shoulder uh, injury that was reported a couple of days ago. I mean, how big is that early on in the year? Because Hunter Gaddis is going to be reportedly filling in that spot in the rotation with Xavion Curry coming up to fill in in the bullpen. It hurts. It, I mean, there's no way around it. It definitely hurts. I am okay with Cal Quantrill kind of sliding into that number two spot for the time being. Cal last year showed you he is more than capable of, you know, being a front line of the rotation guy, obviously in that three spot. I'd rather it happens now than later in the season, because now that it happens so early, Mitch, you get these younger guys up here for experience. So obviously we hope there's no more injuries, but if somebody else goes down, you have guys that aren't just being thrusted into the middle of a playoff race in June, July that maybe come up and can give you some solid outings. But with it also happening now, if Tristan McKenzie is not himself or, you know, is to get injured again, you at least know, okay, if we're in this thing at the trade deadline, we have to go find a starting pitcher. That is what the Guardians are going to have to look for, assuming everything else goes according to plan in their lineup and in their bullpen. Um, Gaddis pitched last year a couple of times, so did uh, yeah. Curry. I was at Curry's debut, actually, against the Tigers. As a fifth starter in the rotation, Mitch, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like I said, hopefully it's only eight weeks we miss McKenzie. Uh, and if that's the case and he comes back and picks up where he left off last year, the Guardians should be able to overcome a few games if they were to drop them early here in the season, but it is a big loss. Yeah. I mean, we had guys like Kirk McCarty and Brian Shaw as a fifth starter last year at different points throughout the season. So I, I don't necessarily think it's a, it's, it's, it's a huge loss. It, it is considerably though, for like big games because Tristan McKenzie, for some reason last year, even though he went 11, 11 had a good ERA last year though, he always saved his best games for like the really good teams. It felt like he had, he had a gem against the Yankees. He had a gem against the white Sox early on when it was like, Hey, the white Sox may not run away with this. And then he had that really good game uh, in the wild card round, the 15 inning game against Tampa Bay. Uh, so yeah, that'll be a kind of a tough one, but I'm, I'm sure they'll figure it out. All right. For the West in the American league, it's going to be Houston, even though they had two major losses, one long-term, one short-term, somewhat short-term Jose Altuve's injury in the world baseball classic will cause him to miss the next couple of months. Justin Verlander, obviously the reigning Cy Young winner in the American League, going to the Mets. Um, even then, the lineup's still really good. The rotation's still pretty solid. Um, I, I I think Seattle could make a bit of a run, but I think Houston's going to run away with it. I don't think they're going to get 106 wins, but it's still probably going to be like in the mid to high 90s, and it's just going to be them this year. 
Much like I said in the AL East, Mitch, for all the love the Blue Jays are getting, the Mariners are getting a lot of love. Um, yeah. Something I'm not happy about is Julio Rodriguez being ranked the seventh best player in all of baseball in the preseason player rankings. This is a rookie. Um, much like I've said for Stephen Kwan and Oscar Gonzalez, it's okay, what can you do in year two once there's film on you, a full season's on you, pitchers know how to attack you now. I do think uh, the J-Rod show and Julio Rodriguez is a phenomenal player. I think he will be a top player for years to come. But the Mariners need to show me something. Uh, I do think the Astros run away with this division. Much like you, though, losing Justin Verlander hurts. You still have Christian Javier there. They have a young arm coming, Mitch. This is a team that has been able to retool instead of rebuild, right? They find a guy, they plug him in. Hunter Brown, the 24-year-old right-hander, is going to be the fifth starter, it looks like. He is a name to watch out for. This is a pitcher that could, in the next year or so, become a top pitcher in that Astros rotation. He's already been, you know, compared, whether it's fair or foul, to Hall of future Hall of Famers in Justin Verlander and, you know, like Garrett Cole. He has electric stuff. So it's going to be scary if the Astros do kind of just retool here instead of rebuild when these guys reach the end of their career. And like I mentioned, just in the last talking about the central, you had Jose Abreu in the middle of the lineup. So now you have Jose Abreu, Jordan Alvarez, uh, Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley re-signed there. They'll be able to get by just fine without Jose Altuve. And if Altuve comes back and plays the usual baseball he's accustomed to and that we're accustomed to as fans, Astros are going to run away with this. But my sleeper team in the AL is in this division. Okay, so I'm I'm curious to see who your three wild card predictions are because I've been looking over some of the non because we have Yankees we all have both have Yankees uh, Guardians Astros in the division winners. My wild card picks are going to be kind of similar to what they were last year in Tampa Bay, Seattle, and if I had to go through these two teams, I think I'm going to take Toronto over the Angels because the Angels still haven't quite proven to me that they can make that sort of postseason run. I think the Blue Jays lineup is still very uh, dangerous. And, you know, the Angels can be interesting because right now I think Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are at the two highest peaks they'll ever be together with Mike Trout's age and Shohei Otani's peak right now. That And the Angels have done some things in the offseason that have filled out some of the roster spots to make them a little more serious than they have been in the past. I still would take the Blue Jays over the Angels in this one to round out the wild cards, but I'm curious as to see who uh, one of your sleeper teams are. You mentioned the Angels. They're actually not my sleeper team, Ooh. but they could be if Anthony Rendon stays healthy. Sure. Mitch, a, a punch in the lineup of Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and Shohei Otani. My bad. That's terrifying. I mean, you're talking about when healthy, people forget just three years, four years removed, how good Rendon was in that Washington Nationals lineup when they won the World Series. He was phenomenal. But can he stay healthy? I like the Tampa Bay Rays getting a wild card spot out of the AL East. I like the Blue Jays. I'm between the Mariners mm -hmm. and actually the Texas Rangers. Ooh, Tell yeah. Okay. They made the big time acquisition of the offseason and getting Jacob DeGrom. Mitch, if they are fortunate enough to have guys progress through the farm system fast enough, this is a team that kind of reminds me in certain aspects of the Guardians. Mitch, there was a team a couple of years ago in college baseball, Vanderbilt, that had perhaps the best one-two punch we've seen in our lifetime in college baseball of Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. Yes. The Rangers selected Jack Leiter. Kumar Rocker was drafted by the Mets. 
He never signed after a, you know, a discrepancy in his physical, but because he hired an agent, couldn't go back to college. Mitch, he signed with the Texas Rangers. Mm. If not this year, Mitch, I think you're in a two or three year period before the Texas Rangers, assuming DeGrom stays healthy, are a team and a force to be reckoned with because of DeGrom, Leiter, and Kumar Rocker, first three in a rotation, has the potential to be one of the top in baseball. They also have Marcus Simeon. They have Corey Seager. They have Nate Lowe, the first baseman, who I think is actually criminally underrated in all of baseball. He hits for average. Average fielder, but when you put him in the middle of that lineup, I think the Rangers are a team to watch out for. I'm not willing to pick them quite yet to beat out the Mariners strictly because of the schedule change this year, Mitch. That's one thing we need to note here, and I'm glad I at least brought that up. The schedule is even across the board for all teams in Major League Baseball this year. The Guardians aren't going to be able to play the Tigers and Royals, what was it, 19 or 21 times? I think they play each opponent 13 times, and you play every team in baseball this year, whether it's in L.A. against the Dodgers or maybe in Cleveland versus the Dodgers. So win totals for me, don't really know what to expect because I think you're going to see a lot of more teams become battle-tested, and I like it for the Guardians' sake. But when you look at the Rangers and me saying they're a sleeper team, it means they don't get to beat up on the Angels or the A's quite as often. But Rays, Blue Jays, Mariners, my three wild card teams, White Sox just miss it by a hair. The Rangers, though, I'm not going to be shocked one bit come October if they are there fighting for a spot. That's a curious one. You forgot to mention, too, the fact that they brought Bruce Bochy out of retirement, the, the guy yes, with the yep. quietest three World Series championships I've ever seen in a manager's history. Uh, so yeah, that, I like that pick a lot. Um, yeah, I think the Rangers might be a year away, but that's a team to be that by the mid 2020s, that'll be a team that's going to be very, very good. Okay. So we go to the NL East. Now we have, uh, the Braves coming back from last season. We have the Mets, we have the the NL champion Phillies that nobody I think is giving much of a, a run here in these standings here. I, I, I think that it's going to be a three-team – obviously, it's going to be a three-team race. I think Atlanta will still win this race, but I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia keeps giving them problems throughout the season. I don't know if it's a three-team race. This mm. might be a four-team race. Mm. I think the Miami Marlins are criminally underrated. Mm. Alcantara, the Cy Young Award winner, Jazz Chisholm Jr., the face of MLB The Show this year, Mitch, one of the most electric young players in baseball. I think the Marlins are going to have something to say here about the NL East. I do think this is the Braves division. I like the moves the Phillies made. Obviously, going out and getting Trey Turner is awesome. But when is Bryce Harper coming back? We know last year he was a DH for most of the year because it was inevitable. And I believe he did get the Tommy John surgery in the offseason, which if he would have been healthy, could you imagine him in Team USA's lineup in the World Baseball? Mm. That would have been Amazing. And hopefully come 2023, he's healthy along with everybody else. But I like the Braves to win this division. I like the Phillies in second place. The Mets made the big splash move. They lose to Grom. Oh my gosh, the world's falling apart. New York Mets, do it again. It's crashing. So they just go replace him with another Cy Young Award winner and Justin Verlander. My biggest worry is age though, Mitch. As you get older, I mean, Father Time's undefeated. Mother Nature's undefeated. But Father Time here is starting to tick on Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. If they're both healthy and both pitched to what we've seen over the past couple of years, it, it's going to be hard to beat either of those starters when they're on the mound. But losing Edwin Diaz yep. is a major, major blow. 
We understand it as Guardians fans. The viewers out there and listeners understand it. If you're a Guardians fan with Emmanuel Classe, or if you're a fan of another team that doesn't have a lockdown closer, that is a huge loss. Second in saves in all of baseball last year behind Classe uh, was near the top in the NL. I don't think he led the NL in saves, though. Can they overcome that? We'll see. The lineup should be there. It should be, it should be really, really good. Uh, we'll wait to see what happens. I just don't know if I can buy the Mets just because, Mitch, much like they say with the Guardians, oh, they're cursed. You know, are they cursed? They might be. Who knows? But as far as the Nationals, Mitch, the Nationals are in full rebuild and tank mode. This could be one of the three teams battling for uh, the worst record in baseball this year. Uh, it was first a couple of things. Number one was Kenley Jansen. You meant, um, was that was the leader in saves last yes. year in the National League for Atlanta. And it feels like, and Jose Quintana is also a loss for the Mets as well. And the Phillies really got bit with the injury bug this offseason, too. Not only will Bryce Harper not be able to start the season on time, but Ranger Suarez and Reese Hoskins going to be out for significant amounts of, of time. Hoskins probably out for the entire season with his recent injury. Um, I think this is Atlanta's division to win. If the I think the Mar if the Marlins can get on a hot streak like the Guardians did, then maybe. But uh, and I and I also love your point about the age with uh, uh, Scherzer and uh, Verlander because I think it was Tim Keown who had this writing here. The Mets with their two aging aces appear to be built more for the rigors of a seven game series than a 162 game regular season. Uh, and NL Central's in, go ahead for, for for context here in case viewers don't know. Verlander is 40 years old and Scherzer is 38. Uh, for them for 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 teams and and fans and viewers to expect them to stay at the level they're at yeah yes they've done it a long time so you can say that's why you expect it but once again when you're approaching this age the velocity is going to dip eventually we've seen it before though pitchers can dip in velo but establish more control we'll see if that happens but your first two starters in your rotation a combined 78 years old that's that's a big worry and also what happens here in the next two years when they're probably out of baseball We'll see. We'll see indeed. Uh, the we the, is, is the NL Central the Cardinals uh, division to lose? Yes. You don't think there's any team that can like really catch up to them? I think the Brewers. I think it's okay. the Brewers here. I think the Brewers are the second best team. I actually think that, that if you're looking for a player, if you are into futures bets on respective betting sites, please gamble responsibly. 1-800-GAMBLER, 21 plus and over. Um, Corbin Burns, Mitch. Yeah. A former NL Cy Award winner. The reason I mentioned this name, he went to arbitration this year. And for us being Cleveland baseball fans, whenever players go to arbitration, we generally never see it actually go the full way. The guardians and the player typically settle. Corbin Burns learned the hard way. He went to arbitration. It was taken to a court and he lost. Mm -hmm. And what happens there is that for people that don't know what arbitration is, a player thinks he's worth this much. A team thinks he's worth this much. Mm -hmm. Typically you meet in the middle. The Brewers weren't willing to pay Corbin Burns what he wanted, so it went to court, and the court ruled in the Brewers' favor. But what happens when you do that is the team tells you why you're not worth that much, what's wrong with you, why you're not good enough to make that much. And it's very personal. It, we get this as a business, Mitch, right? We're fans of, of a team in a business. But Corbin Burns was very hurt. He took to social media and explained that. This is a pitcher, Mitch, when healthy, is one of the top pitchers in the National League. Expect him to have a breakout year because he wants paid, and I believe he either will A, be paid after this season or be traded at the deadline and potentially be the top target for anybody in baseball trying to make a postseason push because 
it does not seem there is any way possible, much like the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, that they can repair this relationship. So if he pitches like the Cy Young Award winner he is, but better, this team can make a make a run with the Cardinals. Obviously, Christian Yelich, former MVP there. But after that, the Pirates aren't doing anything. No. The Reds are simply not doing anything. The Cubs, no. I don't know. The Cubs kind of made some moves, but I don't know how much better it made them. Getting Dansby Swanson, obviously getting uh, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger. I almost said Chris Bryant, but I knew that wasn't right. I mean, if Cody Bellinger regains his MVP form, Maybe. Sure, if Swanson picks up where he was in Atlanta, sure, but the rotation and bullpen in Chicago just isn't good. I think it's the Cardinals division to lose. Brewers are a team that'll fight with them and may be fighting for a wild card spot. I also wanted to throw out Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta as a t- as a, a tandem that could be good in a rotation for Milwaukee yes. uh, if if they can keep up with St. Louis. Then now in the NL West, we had the kind of a we we might have a uh, a changing of the guard as the Dodgers are kind of being undersold as the second best team in their division after the San Diego Padres run to the NLCS last year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see where San Diego stacks up. I'm going to take them in the West, but I don't think it's going to be a runaway like, like some people are expecting that I've seen on uh, preseason writings. It's, this is hard for me. The Dodgers, Mitch, have been the face and the force of the not only the National League West, but the National League. Obviously, a couple injuries. Dustin May is back after a full uh, season off of Tommy John surgery. They have Tony Gonsolin. They get Noah Syndergaard. I'm going to go with the Dodgers here. Mm. Off experience and the pressure, knowing that they've had the pressure for years and they've still been able to deliver in terms of during the regular season. The Padres... It, it's just so fascinating. They get Xander Bogarts in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Fernando Tatis will be back eventually. Yes. Looks like he's going to be moved to the outfield. Juan Soto. I mean, this team is loaded. The pitching, obviously, you Darvish out there. I believe uh, why why the name is escaping me. Um, oh. Who, uh, who pitched in the uh, playoffs against the Mets um, that they looked at his ear because it was shiny. Oh, huh. Blake Snell? Well, they have Blake Snell. No. Uh, Joe Musgrove? Musgrove. Musgrove. Remember the whole, the Mets yes. all the time out because he had a that. shiny year. They thought it was substance. Are they built to hang with the Dodgers in terms of rotation? And they aren't going to get to beat up on the other three teams in this division that I just think are not very good whatsoever. So I'll take the Dodgers here to win the West. But the Padres' offensive lineup, maybe a reason they can overtake the Dodgers. Oh, for sure. For sure. The Dodgers, I think are better suited for the long term compa- compared to all the massive contracts that San Diego has, but it's unfortunate when you have situations like Gavin Lux, who's supposed to be your sh- starting shortstop young guy, and then he's lost for the entire year. Um, but I'm going to take San Diego. That That's where we differ. I'm going to go San Diego. You take LA and then my national league wildcard picks. Uh, I think I'm going to go uh, Mets. I know I said the Phillies might make a run, but I'm going to go Mets, uh, Dodgers, and it honestly gets between the Brewers and the Phillies. I think I'd probably rather go Phillies than it would Brewers. This point. Brewers would have to prove something to me. I'm I'm exactly right there with you. Obviously, the division winner for the NL West is different. I have the Dodgers. You have the Padres. I will take the Padres as a wild card team. I will take the Mets as a wild card team. And boy, oh boy, Mitch, if they don't make the playoffs. What is that going to look like? 
the pressure that is built in New York for them to make it. And then ultimately, I think it's between the Phillies and the Brewers and the Marlins. I don't know if the Marlins have enough yet. And so then it just comes down to health. And does Yelich bounce back after a very, very disappointing year with Milwaukee? Does Corbin Burns ball out like I think he will? Does Bryce Harper come back? Can they fill the loss of Reese Hoskins? I'll take the Phillies just because they went to the World Series last year and the experience they have with the slight edge over the Brewers for the final wildcard spot. To be fair, I think that the East could, could result in what it was last year where you had two, maybe not exactly as last year, because you had two 101-win teams last year in Atlanta and New York. Then the Phillies came in and shocked the world with an 87-75 and 75 record. I think this year will be like two teams in high 90s and then one team with like 90 wins. I think that might be the case, if not a little lower for the third team, whether it's New York or Philadelphia. I keep thinking Atlanta's going to win the division, but but for a good reason, since what, 2019, 2020, they've been the top team in the East for, for a number of years now. Uh, so we have those set as our wild cards. Um, I won't go too detailed into the playoffs because anything can really happen. All I want to know is who do you think could be the matchup in the World Series uh, by October's end? I think that typically when you look at preseason baseball and you see the teams that everybody's picking, the sexy pick, I tend to try to go away from that. The St. Louis Cardinals, Mitch, ran into a buzzsaw in the Phillies last year that ultimately went to the World Series. I'm going to take the Cardinals from the National League. Mm. I want to take the Guardians, um, mm. but for sake of not wanting to jinx them, I will say it is the New York Yankees that win the American League this year and take on the St. Louis Cardinals in the World Series. Okay, so you have uh, – give me your AL team again. You have them being taking on the Cardinals in the World Series. Yankees. Yankees, excuse me. So Yankees-Cardinals. That would be a first matchup since, gosh, I want to say 19 – it's been a while since those two teams have played in the World Series. I'll have to think about it. But <clears throat> as far as my picks, I think I'm going to go less traditional. I think I'm going to go with Atlanta as my National League champion. I think they're a better overall team than it, the likes of San Diego – or St. Louis and my American league. It, I, I think it's still gotta be Houston. I think, I think when you come down to the playoffs, if they match up with the Yankees, again, the Houston will still be the better team. I think the Yankees will give them more of a chance or give them more of a series than they did last year, but I still would take Houston in a, in a six game, seven game matchup. And then Houston and Atlanta again, uh, that's one of the things I don't like too, is when you get like starting repeat series, unless the two teams are like the best um, probably go with Houston this time in the rematch. But uh, if you, you had to choose between Yankees and Cardinals right now, which one, you, or which one would you take? I take the Cardinals just cause I'll never pick the Yankees. Ah, yeah, that's what I thought. So, all right. So we got uh, those are our picks. We'll come back in a couple months and see if we were right or wrong. Uh, Real quick, we'll go through some awards. American League MVP. Uh, I'm assuming that's going to be Shohei Otani, just for the sake of everything. There's some people yes. that are saying that he could win Cy Young and MVP. That's that's tough. I mean, it, it's it's very interesting to see that this might be the first time where we have a guy playing both positions that could win it compared to a, to the previous years where a pitcher would win Cy Young and then occasionally win MVP. I mean, is there any other pitcher that could really stack up to Otani as like an every time like a regular pitcher? Regular starter compared to uh, Otani, who's this sort of like unicorn of baseball. I think Garrett Cole can in the yep. American League when it comes to signing yep. award winner. I think it's Garrett Cole, uh, obviously Shohei Otani. I like Shane McClanahan. I think Glass now has a chance for Tampa Bay. 
And obviously I'll throw Shane Bieber in there because if he wants paid, he's going to have to have another great year, much like 2020 and the back end of last season. Um, there's always going to be a guy though, Mitch, that comes out of nowhere that you really weren't expecting. Um, and we'll have to wait and see who that is this year. I saw one publication and I don't remember which one exactly, but they said Emmanuel Classe won AL Cy Young. And I'm like, okay, that's it. That's an interesting one because it, reliever Cy Youngs are so curious to me, you know, whenever they are, it's, it's almost never, it, it's never like the, it's, I don't even think Francisco Rodriguez when he broke the saves record won Cy Young that year, even though you would could argue that was, that should have been the case. It's always like, Eric Gagne or uh, Bobby Thigpen. I don't even know if Bobby Thigpen won it, but that's sort of like what it always is. Um, and then for NL MVP, this is a closer race. It's not going to be a runaway like Otani's in the AL. It's going to be between Juan Soto, Trey Turner, and Ronald Acuna. And I think I might take Acuna in the edge. I think I was leaning Acuna too. I think the other name to throw out there is actually, uh, which sucks because he's competing with another MVP on his team is Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Sure. Um, sometimes it hurts when you're on the same team as a guy that good. Uh, I'm going to take Acuna to win a NL MVP this year. I think that if the Braves are going to win the NL East and potentially be the top team in the NL, he's going to have to lead the charge. And so I, I think that's a very good pick. And then NL Cy Young, uh, you mentioned Corbin Burns. A lot of people are picking him to win his second award ever. I think that Julio Urias and Sandy Alcantara can find themselves in the race as well. Maybe Spencer Strider could also get in there, but I think that Burns right now is the safe pick for me. Yeah, I think it's Corbin Burns just because I think this is at the same time, Mitch, he could flop this year because the pressure that he feels on his shoulders, because he knows he will more than likely when I say that, I mean, 99.9% .9 likely not be back with the Brewers next year. So the uncertainty of where am I going to be next year? Who, what city am I moving to? How much money can I make? I think Burns is either going to thrive or flop. And if he does flop, I'm taking him as my pick for Cy Young. Uh, I think Spencer Strider and Alcantara are two picks that I like for NL Cy Young. All right. So those are uh, predictions for the upcoming baseball season. Uh, what are your guys' predictions? Comment below or, you know, hit us up on Twitter. You know where to find us. We'll be right back right after this break here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. 
Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care. Where you matter. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Welcome back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala. Mitch, we go over from baseball now. May get back to baseball in a little bit, but we're going to start here talking about the final four teams that are competing for the NCAA National Championship. And, of course, as we predicted, it's going to be between Miami, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, and Connecticut for the teams that we predicted absolutely going into this tournament. Uh, so, Mitch, going to be an exciting weekend. I'm very curious to see who will win this one. I'm I'm – I don't have a dog in this fight, obviously, but I, I am kind of hoping for a non-traditional blue blood. And UConn was kind of is kind of like a modern blue blood because Jim Beheim really got that thing ball rolling in the early 2000s. That being said, I would like to see a first-time champion from the likes of these three teams compared to you know UConn not only winning those titles with Beheim, but I believe Kevin Ollie, uh, what was it, ten years ago against Butler. Yes, with uh, Shabazz Napier, yeah, uh, defeating defeating Butler that year. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Obviously, first time Miami, San Diego State, and FAU have ever made the Final Four. Uh, so great storylines on that side. Obviously, Miami with the comeback win over Texas in the Elite Eight, big time win. It feels from what we've seen, Mitch, and just from the the last game we saw UConn defeating Gonzaga, eighty two to fifty four. Feels like this is UConn's national championship yeah, to lose. Right? I mean. Just, that's what it feels like. Uh, Dan Hurley obviously said earlier in the season, you better get us now because these guys are going to be ready here shortly. And sure enough, here they are two wins away from winning the national championship. I just think it's going to be crazy when you look at the different styles of basketball, these teams play San Diego state, one of the best defensive teams in the country, FAU tied for the most wins in the country in the regular season. And they just don't care who you are. They're going to play their style of basketball and they're going to try to beat you. And they've been a lot of fun. Uh, they've beaten some big, big name teams in route to the final four. There's a lot of people though, Mitch, that think that Miami versus UConn is the real national championship saying, you know, whoever wins this game will probably, you know, beat the winner of San Diego state, Florida Atlantic. That is not a, a gimme. Um, when you're one of the last four teams standing, you're there for a reason. Um, even if you had an easy path, you should off to, still have to go out there and execute and play your style. I'm excited to see what happens. I I'm 
I don't have a dog in the fight either. I do think UConn beats Miami. I just have absolutely no idea what to expect between San Diego and Florida State. I, I don't even know. Do you take the team that's very senior and 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 veteran heavy in San Diego State, or do you play take Florida Atlantic, who showed you that they are one of the better teams in the country, and obviously 31 wins before the tournament started says that, no matter what conference they play in. I don't love that same sentiment as you. Uh, it's just that Connecticut versus Miami, it, it gives the same vibe as when everyone thought that Houston versus Louisville in 83 was the real title game. And then NC state uh, proved that wasn't. Um, yeah. I, I, it's I, for my prediction. It's going to probably be Connecticut and then against Miami and then Florida Atlantic versus San Diego state could be anything at this point. I think I, for the safer bet, I'd go San Diego state. Um, even though I thought that they barely made it out alive against Creighton. I know that some people said it, it was the right call to be made, but it was just a, an unfortunately timed call. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, so yeah, I think I'm going to go with San Diego state versus uh, blanket here against UConn. I don't know what's going to happen in the championship game. Anything could happen in that game. I want to know what you think could be the difference on uh, this weekend's final four. I think the, the factor that could really catapult a team to win it all would be San Diego state's defense. Obviously their games haven't necessarily been pretty. They're really you know, if you're talking about the the look test or the eye test, the game they played against Alabama was very, very fascinating. Um, they shut down the number one overall seed, obviously Brandon Miller, who was a projected lottery pick in the NBA draft in the summer. Can San Diego State's defense hold up for two more games? I think it very well could against FAU. And then obviously UConn, from what we've seen, would be a tougher task. But if San Diego State plays defense the way they, they've shown they can, San Diego state may be winning the national championship and also put an end to that stupid. No team has won the national championship on this side of the line of the United States. When they split the States down the middle, it's been like the last 20 some champions have all been. If you split the United States down the middle to the right of the line. Um, And if you think about it, you've never seen a team from the West coast in our lifetime win the national championship. Hmm. So it's, it's just one of those facts they throw out every, are you thinking of the Mason Dixon uh, line? I don't know if it's actually that it's just, you know, oh, more okay. so people on, on social media just put a line down the middle and say, no team has ever won in the X number of years wow. from the left. Everybody's been on the right. Um, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's true. They the last all the teams team, we've seen yeah. the national. Um, so San Diego state going to try to put an end to that streak and try to put an end to the fact that people say the mountain West is a very bad conference. I think that we can probably put that to rest already now that they're in the final four and they beat Alabama, but San Diego state's defense, I think is the factor of all the four teams that could play a factor into how a team wins the national championship. Although UConn's offense, Mitch has looked incredible. And so Danny yeah. Hurley is two wins away from proving that if you didn't get them earlier in the season, you weren't going to get them now. Uh, I'm excited, though. I really am. I think both games have a bunch of storylines. It'll be very interesting uh, play playing in Houston on Saturday night, and I'm very excited to see how it turns out. No doubt. I mean, UConn, uh, you mentioned it with Dan Hurley's comments somewhat that the Huskies have been considerably uh, maybe a top 10 team in, in their uh, momentum since they've been starting the tournament, and they have that. Uh, they have a seven foot two uh, guy in Donovan Klingon. You have Adama Sanogo, who was able to play interior. He's a good interior guy. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, who can uh, have some good shooting performances. 
they it seemed like they were stuck as a four seed because the Big East was so competitive during the regular season that they just kind of got stuck with a couple of those games. But four victories of at least 15 points during the first two weeks of the NCAA tournament, it's the most one, it's the most heavily favored four seed we've ever seen in tournament history compared to what we have here. No numbers five and nine and it's an unreal sight to see. I would like to see somebody do the math on all the final fours. And I know that it's kind of different with, with the 64 team and 68 team tournaments that came up in the eighties, but I would love to see somebody be able to take all the seating numbers of the final four teams, add them together and then see what the highest number combined number would have been for a given year so like this year for example as we take a look at the um the four teams that are still remaining in the tournament you have connecticut miami florida atlantic and san diego state so that's four seeded yukon versus five seeded miami that's nine nine seed fau five seed san diego state that's 14 and if you add those numbers together it's 23 now we've had tournaments in the past where it's been all one seeds and that's an automatic four i would be very curious to see which uh Final Four had the highest numbers and the lowest numbers because the lowest has to be 2008 when it was all one seeds. But oh, I would, I would be if someone could comment us that or send us that on Twitter uh, at Mitch Spinell at Mitchell Ballow. Let me know about that because I'm very curious to see what that would be. I, um, I, I already put out my predictions UConn and uh, San Diego State. What are your predictions for this weekend? Well, I'll be a little different than you then. I'll take UConn and FAU. Okay, I, I, I do think that UConn is the best team remaining, um, but I'll take FAU over San Diego state. I'm not going to be shocked if Miami beats UConn though, Mitch, I really am not. Um, there's also all those polls that, you know, a team inside the Ken Palm rankings of uh, offense and defense inside the top 20 always wins a team ranked inside the top 12 of the week, eight, week six AP poll has won every national championship since Oh two, which would have been uh, the Syracuse led Carmelo Anthony team. So, you know, does yep. that stay true? If so, it's more than likely going to be UConn. I don't think Miami was in the top 12. I might be mistaken, though, but it's it's one of those two teams. But uh, I'll take UConn FAU in the national championship, and I will say UConn defeats FAU to win the national championship. I just think Miami, like, that would be such a great story. I mean, Jim Laranega gets the job after leading George Mason, as we've been all hearing throughout the tournament. And, you know, Miami it was a football school for so long and who knows if their football program might come back someday. But right now it's kind of the transition that we thought Michigan was making for a little bit like, Oh, they're a basketball school. Now they're, they're really getting it done. And of course, Michigan made that transition back. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of want to see them win just to, just for the sake of seeing somebody else differently. And we'll touch on the women's side really quickly. Unfortunately, Ohio state will not be the champion this year. They ended up losing, as I kind of expected to a very good Virginia tech team, a top seeded Virginia tech team. So it's probably going to be if I'm not mistaken, Virginia tech and South Carolina in the national championship game, or do those two teams face off in the final four? Virginia Uh, tech takes on LSU LSU, and then South Carolina plays Iowa. Iowa. Caitlin Clark will be get to show off or showcase her skills in the, in the final four and good because that girl can ball. I mean, what was it? We were talking about 41 points, uh, in her most recent matchup, it was like 10 boards, 12 assists, or maybe I'm uh, getting that mixed up there. Point is, she's one of the top prospects we've seen in the in the women's tournament and going into the WNBA in a long, long time. And uh, it would be interesting to see if Iowa can pull off that victory over the reigning national champs. Uh, then they could potentially match up with a VTech squad that has been very, very solid. 
Uh, all right, that's all we have for this segment, and we'll be right back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance, Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level up. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. 
Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching in a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. And welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala. Mitch, we talked about a little bit. Baseball season starting up soon. And with that comes uh, a bit of an announcement regarding the threads you'll be seeing from some of the players this season. Uh, a couple of the teams that were announced to be wearing the City Connect uniforms this year from Nike. We just got one a reveal this morning from the Atlanta Braves. And I don't know if you've seen it yet, but this is one of the spicier fashion statements that you'll be seeing in Major League Baseball this year. Uh, kind of a throwback to the 1980s Braves look, the Hank Aaron, Dale Murphy era. I really like that they have like the VA here. They got that little uh, thread in, uh, on the chest. And of course, the classic look, but with the modern script A compared to the one that's like a lowercase A that you might see from the 80s. Thoughts on this look, Mitch? I absolutely love it. I saw it this morning. I think it is very clean design. You talk about paying homage to the old teams and the history of the game, the history of your organization. I think this is a perfect touch. Like you mentioned, the uppercase uh, modern looking A instead of the lowercase A. The colors just go so well. I'm a big fan of small little details in jerseys. And I, I you don't see it, obviously, except for in the picture you just showed. But just having their area code on the inside part of the collar of mm. the jersey, I think, is a cool touch to have if you're an Atlanta Braves fan. Uh, they also announced the other teams that are getting them this year and then like when they will be debuting them. I think the Pirates are the last team to debut their uh, City Connect jersey later this summer in June or maybe July. But interested to see how some turn out last year. Obviously, some teams had some cool ones. I think the the Astros had a pretty cool one that was Space City, if I'm not mistaken. Um, then there was people like or the teams like the Boston Red Sox that had a yellow jersey, which just I didn't yeah. like at all. Um, yeah, it's it's always intriguing to see what Nike can do with these uniforms. And um, obviously the guards haven't been picked yet, either last year or this year, so maybe next year. But always intrigued to see what would happen with a Cleveland uh, City Connect jersey, even though I probably know it's going to have to do with something about rock and roll. See, okay, okay. first of all, I was going to get into this list before we get into it. But like everybody, I know it's because they overdo it. I get it. But everybody has a huge problem with the, with them always incorporating Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, a rock and roll in a Cleveland uniform. You saw it in the MLB All-Star game. We've seen it in a couple of other different like NBA jerseys here and there and stuff. I, I really couldn't care less with the rock and roll thing because, yeah, that's the one thing that Cleveland is really known for nationwide. So what are we going to put on there other than a rock, other than a, an electric guitar? Are we going to put a Guardian statue on there? People won't understand it because unless you live in Cleveland, you're not going to understand it. People, people, they change the team name to that, and people still aren't aren't wondering are wondering what that means. True. So I, I I just hear this thing. Everyone always complains like, oh, they're always doing the guitar. I'm like, yeah, because that's the thing. That's our thing. But either way, I, that's that's my little soapbox that I got to get off of right now. But I do have a list here that was I was written by uh, who was it June Lee on ESPN.com, and he decided to rank all of the looks for uh, the uh, City Connect here this year as my computer screen freezes. Uh, he ranked the Dodgers number 15, dead last. 
Now, this has kind of like a Spanish, uh, Hispanic flair to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Fernando Valenzuela's, you know, epic rise in 1981, uh, obviously to do with the Latin community in L.A. as well. It seems like a fine jersey. I don't think this is dead last, but I don't necessarily think it, it doesn't really stand out compared to any any other ones. Obviously, it uses the Dodger blue rather than the clean traditional white. Um it's a fine, obviously got Los Dodgers in there. It's fine. I don't like the cap though. You see Bellinger's cap there. I don't love that. It's great. It has a script of Los Dodgers as well. I don't like that. Yeah, I don't either. It's it, You literally took what's on the front of the jersey and put it on the top of the hat. It's a little too much on the hat, I think. Um, although I don't know what else you would have done, but to me, I, this is just a very basic jersey. All you did was just change the script and add Los in front of it, obviously for the Hispanic uh, detail that you're doing. But it's it's a pretty plain, boring jersey, in my opinion. Seems like a seems like a spring training thing, like yeah, a spring training 100%. shirt you would wear. And then fourteen. This is where I this is where I disagree completely. Fourteen, yep. Atlanta. Like this should be top five of all the of all the ones there. It's such a clean look for the eighties. They even have the green. You see that green on the bottom of the cap? That's yep. that's throwback. That's a great look. That's a great design. So the number thirteen, uh, Chicago Cubs. The navy blue Wrigleyvilles, these always seemed weird to me just because they don't they they kind of can clash with you see there the the bright blue and, and red helmet that the Cubs wear. I don't know. I've never loved the design of it. I like the name Wrigleyville, but it just doesn't really have that right look to me. I, I completely agree. It's just very odd. If you're going to do a jersey like that, you should probably make the gear to match it. But obviously, you only wear this a certain amount of times, but it, right. it's a very odd. I love the name. To your point, the color scheme there is just, it's tough. The uniforms leaked ahead of their formal reveal and received a largely negative reception from fans, many of whom felt they were boring compared to the rest of the City Connect series. I don't know if they're boring, but they're just not, don't feel like they match very well. And then Kansas City here. Now, Kansas City, I've got, I've, I've, I believe they're the ones who brought or bring back the royal blue. Uh, uniforms yep. this year and i'm a big fan of that these ones i don't know if the navy's quite there i don't like the logo on the chest i don't like the sort of stripe design of the really? letters I, I don't know it's just kind of it looks too, a little too a little too modern compared to like the classic royals logo we know yeah i think i have a bigger issue with the color scheme here being the the navy obviously and we know the royals are obviously for the the powder blues that they're bringing back for their you know full-time uniforms I like the I like the logos, but maybe instead of having it on the chest, keep it on the hat. There are on the right sleeve, I think, with the crown on top. Mitch is a very unique and different yeah. type of logo that I actually like in the sleeve. But maybe the one on the chest is a little too much, but it's more so that the navy blue there, too. I'm not a fan of. Yeah. And then number 11 here, San Francisco. I've always liked this one. I, I know some I people to. criticize it for too much orange, but I like that they have like the 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 Golden Gate Bridge sort of fading in on the shirt and the Giants G is very clean. I think it's a very clean look, which is what I really like among City Connect shirts. 1000% Mitch. To me, I don't think there's anything better than an all white uniform you can do with a little color scheme like they did here. You mentioned the the cloudiness at the bottom of the G with the Golden Gate Bridge there on the sleeve then. I think it is one of the cleanest looks in all of baseball. I don't understand the hate it got last year. Yeah, it's just Giant, Giants fans reacted overwhelmingly negatively, criticizing the L, everything from the elongated G to the fog gradient uh, to the shade of orange, which many thought. I mean, it is a different orange from what we know. They don't have a lot of orange in their uniforms in general. It's usually yeah. just the cream and the brown and the black, but they have some orange in there, and they try to go yeah. very much more with it. 
I think it's a good one. And then Brew Crew, number 10, Milwaukee Brewers. I like that they use the old school logo, old school colors. Um, I like the name Brew Crew. I just mm-hmm. wish they maybe incorporated the classic glove look, but I think they don't do that because it's the everyday logo now. It's not it's not the same as uh what it was in the 2000s. Correct. I, I like the look here. I think Brew Crew is just an awesome name to have on the front of your jersey. So I I liked this jersey a lot in the City Connect series. Yeah, that's a fine one. Number nine. This was one of my favorite ones from last year. The Angel, the LA Angels, uh, uh, kind of throwback, uh, cream and red look. I really like the script Angels. The cap is really nice. Uh, yeah, this is one of my personal favorite ones. And uh, <laughs> it, there was a one section here. A portion of the Angels fan base also noted that the team, uh, during an eleven-game losing streak on the official release day, had not won a game since the uniforms leaked on Twitter. So that was basically LA's. Uh, excuse for not having a good team, but no, these are very, these are one of my favorite personal favorites. Big, bold, and still clean looking. I absolutely love this one too. Absolutely. Number eight, space city. You mentioned the Astros one. I don't like the name space city as much. Uh, It's, it's interesting to have like really dark Navy for all of your uniform, like a softball team. Um, The hat's kind of cool. It's got like the sort of Astro design around the H. I mean, and and the script of the space city is nice. I just I don't know if you can't call it anyone else. Maybe you here's the thing. You can't call it this because of what's happened to the guy uh in, in his PR, but like Astro World, that would have been a much better name than Space City, I think. Yeah, I think the issue you run into there is is it trademarked, which probably is. Yeah. I like it because there's nobody else in baseball that can use it. Um and it's much they're the only team in all professional sports that can get away with that. And it's why I always wonder when Cleveland's come out, whenever it is probably in 2024, is it going to be rock and roll related or are they going to go back to the basic like we saw with the Cavaliers with something involving the land? Yeah. Obviously not many other places can be called. the. So it's always unique when you have cities that have other nicknames or something like that, that nobody else can have. So I, I like this one. I, I actually did. Yeah. I'll go through some of these here a little quicker. Number seven, Arizona. This is one of the worst ones. This is one of the worst ones. I don't like the yeah. the the muted white. I don't like uh, the the serpent serpent on the front. I, I I wish that I really wish Arizona would embrace the throwback of their original colors, the purple, that green and white that they used to have. They don't do that nowadays, and it I understand why because it's a very dated look. But at the same time, that's 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 in the wheelhouse for city connect uniforms and you can make a different design with it. I just wish they had gone to that rather than this. This is probably bottom for me. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this one at all though. I actually have a throwback Seven. diamondbacks hat because that color scheme is so cool to your point. And so yeah, these to me were a gigantic L number seven. It's his list. I mean, it's fine. Number six. There's these are the ones that you mentioned the Boston Red Sox one. I don't love the fact that they're not wearing red. I get, I get, I get the point, which is supposed to be there. The, like, I know the team had blue as a primary color at one point and, you know, they tried to like, you know, pay homage to the marathon and Patriots day. And I believe it's like the, the, not the subway system, but uh, it's basically on, based on that. It's not a bad look. I just don't love that. The fact it's not, doesn't have red. It's like the complete contrast of red socks and you're wearing what are, the, what are the socks on this uniform? Are they blue or are they yellow? I can't even remem- remember because uh, I think, I it doesn't have a picture here. I, that would make well, sense. I can't I can't imagine them getting away with yellow socks. Yeah, and it's also not the same blue 
that they use in the primary Boston Red Sox logo. That's the other issue I have with it. I, oh, okay. To me, Mitch, this is bottom five in the City Connect. I, I don't like these at all. Yeah. Wait, this is fascinating. The Red Sox were the first uniform in team history. Oh, the first uniform in team history. I thought that was first uniform ever. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Number five, San Diego Padres. Um, doing a little too much here. And, I, and I'm a fan of like the Miami Vice NBA jerseys, but this feels like it's doing a little too much in comparison to the fact that we got back the brown uniforms last year. I really like those. As far as a city connect, though, if you want to like make it a Baja California thing, I'm fine with that, but it's just, I don't know. It kind of feels like it's doing a little, going a little too far with all of its color. This still feels to me like this should be a Miami Marlins Jersey. I, I just think that the Padres could have easily done something else here. Um, it, it, to me, it feel, I know they're going for the, the SoCal look and, you know, obviously um, it says throughout Baja California, but this just does not strike me as a San Diego Padres uniform. I think it is a little too much, although I like the color scheme, but I'd rather see that in Miami. He even wrote on the bottom as like they bear a stark resemblance to the Miami Vice uniform. So there you go. Number four, Washington Nationals. These um, these don't look great at first glance. I do kind of like the texture of the gray. I do like that. Um, I have to read up on. Uh, yeah, we have the cherry blossoms, the signature typeface that uh matches the architecture it also features the city's flag on the sleeve of a dark gray jersey with whoa, 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 whoa cream pants what's going on here wait, wait, wait. i'm sorry i gotta take this off for a second i gotta see these i gotta see what these pants look like i don't recall what these looked like exactly okay you can kind of see it on the bottom here um i i i don't know if that i oh if, if they were all gray there you go right below it, right below that picture, right below that picture. Oh wow, okay. Um, okay, look, I I don't know if I I oh I do uh I don't I don't know if I love it as much anymore. Those pants are really throwing it off for me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Washington fans, if you're listening to this, but I just I if you if you guys make all the uniform that gray, top five, top five for sure, but. As far as it goes, it's it's going down for me. Mitch, what do you think? I hear you. I actually think it looks a lot better when they're on the on the field. I think those uniforms actually are probably one of my favorite, just personally. Um, I do think that the, if they had the gray all the way around, it would look cool, especially because then maybe you do the the cherry blossom pink socks to match the blossoms on the jersey. Mm. But to your first point, the vintage or almost washed gray look for the uniform, Mitch, I think is very unique, and I actually like it a lot. I think this yeah. is just a very uh, they're not doing too much here in Washington. They they kept it simple. They added something to make it the City Connect jersey, and I actually really like these jerseys a lot. All right, so that's number four. Number three, uh, we don't get a great look at these, but the Miami Marlins ones, the bright red pinstripe uniform with a predominantly blue hat and a gray bill. So I got to go over here and see if I can get a full jersey on this. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like the color scheme. I don't think I, I just don't think I like the jersey design as much. I don't know if that pinstripe is working as well as they want it to. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> and this just goes back to my point that the the jersey the Padres have on, I think, would fit better in Miami instead of what Miami has here for their City Connect jersey. It's it's definitely unique. It's cool. The pinstripes, I think, throws it off. The only time we're accustomed to seeing Marlins uniforms with pinstripes is their old Florida Marlins uniforms that they announced they're bringing back this year, which is awesome. The teal blue with the pinstripes. But yeah, this jersey to me is just 
it's it's hard to see because you and i think it's because we're uh we're stuck in the moment of seeing what the miami heat do right the miami vice uniforms like how cool would that be on their on their city connect uniforms for the marlins but it's an all right jersey but i'm not a huge fan of it but i also don't think it's the worst you it's funny you bring that up because there's this paragraph here uh, a largely positive response on social media greeted the Marlins uniforms, which deviated from the Miami Vice theme that Nike could have easily defaulted to after the positive reception for the Miami Heat alternates. First of all, I think we're getting to the Miami version of what Clevelanders like like you think of the rock and roll thing where it's like, again, with the Vice, we get it. It was the 80s. We get it. But at the same time, for me, it's like that look, look that that is a good look no matter what colors you put on except for the yeah. the blending Miami's the heat have been trying to do that that's where I've gone a little that's been like okay it's a little too far but it's it's a great look and I wish that they had gone for it for the Marlins but nevertheless so that's number 3 number 2 ah man mm-hmm. they're in our division but that's a good look i'm sorry that's a really oh, good yeah. look the pinstripes work very well with the all black um the south side obviously it's got that gray stone look to it um, it even kind of has a sort of um, turn back the clock look because it, ha- it reminds me of the uh, Chicago American Giants that was in the paragraph here. Th- th- this is a good one, and I can easily see why. Out of all the receptions for, uh, from last year, the White Sox fan base when they saw this was like, "Yes," compared to everyone else, they were like, "Yes, this is this is our this is our favorites." Absolutely, this one is by far at the top. Uh, it's just so clean, and they made it connect to the city by putting the South Side of Chicago. The hat isn't doing too much. It's just a clean look all the way around. And some players wear the pants, the high pants with high socks. Some pay, people wear their pants down. Um, either way, it was just always a clean look for the White Sox, even though they're in our division. I hate them. They they actually were the first team to experiment with non-white pants for the City Connect uniforms, and I think it really paid off well. The only thing is, I think that Southside hat could be an S, maybe two S's doesn't have to be the, what is that? C H or whatever, but C H I maybe C H I I would think so. But you know what? It, it works out pretty well. The, no one's going to recognize, see the hat as much as they will the uniform. So that's number two. So that leads us to our number one. And I like this one, but the Colorado Rockies, like Rocky mountain high sort of uh, uniforms. They're very, they're very, you know, unique looking. I like that. They kind of have the white shoulders kind of clashing down with the rest of the Jersey, which is that uh, sort of Kelly green. Um, the hat's kind of cool. I like the script of the Colorado. I just don't know if I would personally make this my number one, but I'm not going to hold him too hard for this. I can see why somebody might have this near the top. Yeah. To me, the design of the Jersey and the design of the hat are probably deserving of being number one. It's more so the color scheme, but I, I just have, it, it's hard for me to disagree with the color scheme, but at the same time, it's like, okay, why couldn't you do something more light blue? I mean, you have Coors mm. Light that's out there that obviously, mm. obviously embraces the Rocky Mountains, cold as the Rockies. And now here you are, the Colorado Rockies, maybe make something a little more, you know, similar to the Coors Light logo if you're going to get away from your primary purple, black, and white logos. But I don't hate them at all. Um, obviously, they went with the green pants the entire way, but. To me, the design and and the lettering and the the embroidery is obviously top tier as well as the hat. It's just more so the green, I guess. I I get it. I'm obviously not from Colorado. I don't live near the mountains, but uh, I think that's probably the only issue I have with the uniform. Yeah, they. Uh, I should correct myself. It's not Kelly green. It's a pine green they went for. And I, I thought you were going to go with like 
a purple, which made would have made them look like the uh, the 90s Utah Jazz uniforms, where it was very like clashing along with the mountains. Um, the blue would have been very would have been kind of interesting. I don't know if necessarily if Major League Baseball wanted to like associate a uniform with like a beer, but uh, especially one that some people don't like. But you know, I I I can. I can see where they were going with this design. I think it's it's a very interesting one. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all. That's all the whole list. Out of the jerseys, I don't know if you saw the full list today. Out of the teams that are getting jerseys this year, if you saw it, which team are you most excited to see what their jersey looks like? Uh, I think I had the, uh, did I not have the, the list here? If I can find it. Um, trying to, f- six more, oh, here we go. Six more MLB teams, Atlanta Braves, April 8th, Texas Rangers, April 21st. Seattle Mariners, May 5th, Cincinnati Reds, May 19th, Baltimore Orioles, May 26th, and Pittsburgh Pirates, June 27th. This is tricky because I think that some teams can – I mean, Atlanta right now has the number one, but it's because they're the only one that has revealed it. Um, but it's it's going to be a hard jersey to top, I think. I think that Cincinnati or Pittsburgh might be my personal um, – uh, most excited because there's such classic designs that I'd like to see somebody do something really good in, in, in such a, in a uh, classic theme or, or a very, you know, basic sort of clean design with those compared to something like Seattle or Texas, where, you know, I think they're going to be a little more brash, a little more outlandish with their designs. And that's not, and that's not a bad thing. I and mean, we saw some of those ones that we really like, but I, I think that those are the ones where if you use the colors, right, you get a good design, you could be, making something that'll make me want to buy your uniform, even though I have no otherwise interest in your team. I completely agree. I think the reds and the pirates are the two I'm most intrigued about. I think the reds, you could do a, a very old uh, homage to like the big red machine that they were called. Mm. In the 80s. Mm. You could do something cool with that. All I, all I know is this. I obviously dislike Pittsburgh sports teams heavily. Um, yeah. I love the city. It is a very nice city. Yeah, I do hope they don't get away from the black and yellow look because to me that would just throw everything off because they're the only major sports city in the United States that all their sports teams have the same color scheme. But are they going to do something maybe like the Giants with the bridge on it? Are they going to do something cool along those lines? I'm excited to see what those look like. I have no idea what to expect out of the Baltimore Orioles. I, yeah. I think go multiple ways, the Rangers too. The Mariners, I would expect something bold and brash because they're such a young, fun team now with mm-hmm. Rodriguez there. I'm excited to see him, and I love, obviously, City Connect jerseys. I love the NBA style. I love when the NFL does new jerseys, or let alone new helmets, and so I love baseball, too. I obviously want to see what happens when it's time for the Guardians to get one um, and then see what they do with a team like the New York Yankees that is always accustomed to having the same uniform year in, year out how much they try to spice that up a little bit. Do you think they'll ever like agree to doing that? The, the I, I don't, I have no idea. Mm. I think if you do it, you could get a whole new, the newer generation of fans would be all into it. The older generation would uh, absolutely hate it. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's just very hard to see like a team like the Yankees. It, it's probably going to be something along the lines, Mitch, of what the Los Angeles Dodgers did. Obviously not the Hispanic look, but it was pretty bland, pretty boring. And we saw that we weren't fans of it just because it looked so plain I would assume whenever it's time for the Yankees, assuming they every team gets one, which I think they do, it will be pretty basic still. But I always just love looking at these jerseys and seeing what they come up with. Now I'm trying to think of a potential design for a Yankees City Connect uniform. What if it was, uh, look, you got to have something with a bridge, any bridge, probably something. Well, that's the thing. The Bronx doesn't really have that. 
famous bridge like everyone else does. Uh, you gotta you gotta incorporate the pinstripes somehow. You can't you can't just get rid of the pinstripes if it's a home uniform because that's the that's the biggest staple. I'm thinking maybe like a dotted pinstripe rather than a solid pinstripe. Yep. Um, you gotta probably stay with that bold white or making it even bolder white. Um, maybe something where it just says instead of a, a the uh, NY logo, it says something like New York City and all bold. One of my favorite designs ever was the Boston Celtics City Connect uniforms, where it said Boston Celtics uh, in back to back script uh, font. That I thought was really clean, really cool. Looked like one of their rafters in the in the in the garden. And uh, I don't know, I could see something like that, but I, I, I that's going to be very hard pressed to, to make a uniform that everybody's going to like, or most people are going to like if you're the Yankees. And then we'll see where the Guardians go there as well. Uh, and that's all the time we have here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can also find us here, not just on YouTube, but on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And of course, our website, Big Time Sports Ohio dot com you know at bts ohio on twitter big time sports ohio on facebook and instagram at mitch spinell and at mitchell balla mitch what's the fact of the day your fact of the day is the ashland women's basketball team is in a national championship indeed indeed that's an amazing run uh for the eagles and we might potentially have some guests coming up here this week on the B- bts podcast show uh we've had standouts like annie roshak who have been very good this year a former hoover grad and uh, many other names that we'll be getting to here later on in the week. And, of course, we'll be seeing what will happen in uh, college basketball this week at the start of baseball season and the winding down of the NBA regular season going into the playoffs. So we'll see where that goes. And we hope to see you guys back here listening or watching Big Time Sports Podcast Show.